Hello, creepy cats. We are back with another diving deaths story. Today, Melissa will be telling Jackie about the deaths and attempted rescues at Bushman's Hole in South Africa. Similar to Jackie's story, almost all of these events were captured on an underwater camera. Be aware that this story will discuss detailed body decomposition. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. And today we are continuing on with our theme of diving deaths. (laughs) That's the water bubbling as we dive into these tales. We wanted to do diving because it's almost warm weather here in the U.S. And that means people want to swim. And the ocean is... My is my biggest fear. I think it's one of Jackie's oh, biggest yeah. fears. So we wanted to scare the shit out of ourselves, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, this just proves even more that I would never do diving of any sort like this. Nope. 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 So the story that I'm going to tell is, I would say in the world of diving deaths, a pretty uh, famous one, as horrible as it is. So I'm going to be talking about Bushman's Hole in South Africa. And let me say that basically all of my info is from an article. Uh, Tim Zimmerman wrote an article, Raising the Dead, for OutsideOnline.com. And so this individual, Tim Zimmerman, they did like a whole investigation and research on this story and the whole thing. So that is where I got. So you said this is in South Africa? Yes. Ooh, both of our tales weren't in the U.S. Love it. Yeah, Bushman's Hole is in South Africa. So um, Bushman's Hole, it is on a privately owned game farm in Mount Carmel, which is Hmm. on the Northern Cape province of South Africa. So it is pretty incredible because it's this game farm that's already beautiful and then just randomly on the farm is this huge crack in the earth and then just this like basically a giant crater that goes down and has water and goes into these caves and things like that. I think I've seen pictures of this before then. There's like a pool that you can go. It doesn't just, you know, immediately go Yeah. In. You could go in a pool and then it's the smallest little opening you can swim down and once you swim down, you know, it's just caves and caves and caves. <laughs> that sounds like so cool but also so scary. Yeah. And it's crazy because this wasn't even, all of the caves in Bushman's Hole and the hole itself wasn't even discovered until 1981, and it was one diver who went down and discovered the entire thing. Their name was Nuno Gomez. Um, He was a technical diver, and he would just, he kind of just went down and each time would test his limits and go down a little bit further into Bushman's hole until he actually was able to reach the bottom, but he never went down and swam or stayed at the bottom or anything. He just was, like I said, kind of just testing it out and everything, so. I would piss my pants. Yeah, in the water. I'd piss my wetsuit. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) So, Nuno Gomez, 
He discovers everything, and by 1993, Bushman's Hole is basically all discovered, and people now want to start exploring it. Um, so this is where our, our story starts, with Dion Dreyer. What year is this? Uh, 1993. That is when it was, like, completely discovered. Okay. And so um, that was, like, 10 years, basically, of this Nuno Gomez diver just taking teams out and discovering it. Um, so it's 1993 now. And like I said, we're in South Africa. There's a 20 year old young man living outside of Johannesburg named Dion Dreyer. Dion was described as a bit of a thrill seeker or an adrenaline junkie. He liked to drive extremely loud cars. That's what they said. <laughs> Uh, ride motorcycles, race, all of the wild things that you can do when you're younger. One of the recent activities that Dion had taken up was cave diving. And Dion loved it. That was like his thing. He adored it immediately once he started cave diving. And he was asked to join a group, the South Africa Cave Diving Association, which Nuno Gomez actually was a part of. And they asked him to kind of go down into Bushman's Hole with a technical dive team. And they were just going to set up conditions for another dive that was happening later on in the week. And Dion really jumped at this because this is this hole that not many people have gone into. And he's going down with this kind of uh, other group of professional divers. And he's only 20. He was really excited. Two weeks prior to the dive... Dion actually lost his grandfather and his family had a barbecue for kind of the passing and Dion's parents actually noted that they were kind of all just talking about if they were to go out how they would like to do it and Dion actually said cave diving. Wow that's crazy because I'm assuming that's what's gonna happen. Um, so now it is Christmas, it's around Christmas in 1994, they're going to go on this dive. Dion now has 200 dives under his belt, and he's just 20. And, um, so yeah, on December 17th, 1994, the South Africa Cave Diving Association and Dion go to Bushman's Hole. Everything went fine on their dive down, nothing was wrong, they went down and explored and did everything like that. On the way up, as the group is ascending, Dion is the last one in the group, and the diver in front of Dion, so they're going up and they're taking their time, because similar to Jackie's story, they're so far down that you have to take the proper time to um, do decompression and things like that. And as the group is ascending, the diver in front of Dion, who was second to last, looked back and Dion gave his thumbs up, had his flashlight, everything seemed fine. They get to their next little stop, and the diver turns around, and he doesn't see Dion this time. And when he swims down a little bit in the tunnel, he actually sees a light spiraling down, and he knows that he can tell that Dion's flashlight had been dropped, and so it's, like, falling in the water. Oh my god, that's terrifying. And they're all... He's really shaken up, and so he swims down, and he realizes that... It, um, it had to be still attached to Dion's body and that his body had to be, like, pulling it down really fast. And, oh, my gosh. Yes. And at this point, 
because like I said, because of the decompression, since they're so far down, over 800 feet down at this point, and this diver can't just swim all the way back down, and even if he could, he wouldn't be able to get to Dion and bring him all the yeah. way back up. Yeah, that would take forever. Exactly. Um, the group ascended all the way back up to the top, and the diving team had assumed that Dion Dreyer had gone unconscious from uh, a carbon dioxide buildup, possibly due to the speed of their ascent or just difficulty breathing oxygen down there, passed out, and then drowned. A few years prior to Dion's disappearance, actually, another dive group went into Bushman's Hole and the same thing happened. A member became unconscious due to a carbon dioxide buildup and drowned. So that time they were, they got the body out with that previous diver. But with Dion, you know, they assumed that that was what happened, but they couldn't, they weren't just going to swim all the way back down to find him. Yeah. Um, a couple days after Dion disappeared, they were, his family hired, um, some professionals that took a little camera down in there and the underwater camera went into Bushman's hole to find Dion's remains, but they actually did not find them. They were only able to find one item. Um, I believe it was just his helmet. So that was all they found. I wonder, like, what happened? Well, actually, what happened is that at that point, they were only about 500 feet down. So, I'm sorry, when I said 800, that um, I was getting a little ahead of myself. They were only 500 feet down, and not all of this has been explored because it's just so... Big. Yeah, and it's hard to explore because it's not going horizontal. It's just basically going down. So, if you want to swim down in it, you have to spend so much time coming back up. And there's currents and stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot. Um, And so, yeah, that was that. And ten years go by. What? And another scuba diver now is on the rise. He's kind of doing what um, our boy Nuno Gomez had did originally. And this man's name is Dave Shaw. Dave Shaw was uh, a 50-year-old Australian pilot turned scuba diver and technical diver. He was married, he had two children, and he was actually at Bushman's Hole to break records. So he broke some records. He broke a record for depth on a rebreather, depth in a cave on a rebreather, depth at altitude on a rebreather, depth running a line. Wait, all at all at Bushman's? Bush, yeah, oh, okay. all at Bushman's wow. Hole. Pretty impressive. So these are basically just all different ways to breathe when you're underwater and under pressure and things like that. And Dave kind of was like inventing his own ways to do this. So people were very impressed with him. Dave Shaw actually got to 800 feet in Bushman's Hole. My God. The deepest anyone had ever gone. So And he wasn't even at the bottom. No, because they don't really know where, like, a bottom is, but at this point, this is as far as anyone has ever gone. 800 feet. I'm scared. he's so far down that he, like, can't even hang out down there. He literally has to go down there and can stay for maybe, like, three minutes before he has to come back up. So, he's just looking around at 800 feet, kind of seeing what Bushman's Hole is about, and... He on a surface floor at this point on a cave floor and he is shining his light and he actually sees a body over in the corner face up. That would scare the daylight out of you. Seriously. Like 
I feel like you would probably be like, am I imagining this? Yeah. Luckily, though, everyone had known about Dion Dreyer. There was a plaque at Bushman's Hole and everything like that for him because they kind of assumed that no one would ever find his body. But Dave knew there he was. Um, the exposed hands had been skeletized, but the scuba mask was still on uh, Dion's head and everything. So, pretty ominous. Um Dave went up and tried to actually move Dion, like, right there, kind of just grab him and take him with him, but Dion's air tanks were still on his back, and the tanks were pushed so far into the mud that it was almost just encased around it, and Dave knew now it was going to be impossible to free Dion's body at this moment because he was on a time limit, and he unfortunately had to leave and get back to the surface. Um... And I think this is how intense it was. He would go down and do all of this and be down there for, like I said, maybe a minute. And then it would take 10 hours to get back up to the top because he would have to sit and wait for his um, gases and everything in his body and all the pressure to get back to normal. It'd be like five hours at some points. He'd just be sitting there in the water. I would be starving. I know. I didn't even think about that. I don't literally. How do they go without eating? And drinking water, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dave felt personally connected to Dion because he's the first person that has come into contact with this body. And, like, he found it. You know, he felt really connected. Feels obligated. Exactly. He was so connected. He got up out of Bushman's Hole and he knew he had to get Dion's body. Dave actually called Dion's parents and told them, like, I'm going to bring your son home. And Dion's parents were overjoyed because they just assumed that they would never have, they would never get Dion back, even if it was just pieces of him. I mean, not that this makes it any better whatsoever, but at least that's what he's, how he said he'd want to go. Yeah. Like, I know it's still tragic, but. Yeah, it's, it's one little piece of positivity. To get Dion's body from Bushman's Hole, this was going to be a process put into place for Dave and the assisting divers. Like I was saying before, you had to make so many stops. So what they would have to do is that Dave and the other divers and his team were going to need to go down and get um, Dion's body and then basically relay race the body up to the surface. So you would go up to a decompression stop and then another diver would be waiting. They would take the body, go up another 100 feet to another decompression stop, wait where another scuba diver would be waiting, and then they would take the body back up to the surface. That's a lot. So it would be like 90 minutes total just for them to get the body out, but this was going to be for the scuba divers 10 hours that... that Dave at the lowest point would have to wait until he would get back up to the top. That's insane. It is. Um, And so we're talking about bends, the bends and decompression sickness. So that's what I mean when they have to stop is that the pressure is so dramatically changing down in these caves coming back up that the gases and everything like that in your body change. And so decompression sickness is when bubbles of oxygen and nitrogen are formed in the blood due to rapid changes in pressure. The vents can cause paralysis and be fatal. It does happen frequently. So that was why they had to make all these stops. And, um, yeah. So this is 6 a.m. the morning of 
Dave Shaw descends into Bushman's hole. Dion's parents arrive shortly after. They're so sweet. They said they purposely arrived late so they didn't make Dave nervous about oh. uh, getting Dion's body. Oh. Dave Shaw um, descends down. He has his team. He actually has another technical diver named Don Shirley. Don, they said that this was like the dream team to do this mission because Don actually was also, uh, I think he taught a class of his own on technical diving and things like that. So this was like power couple of diving. What's that movie where they have all those boss guys like go do boss shit, the expendables or whatever. I've never seen it, but it's like, yeah, like it's like the expendables for of diving, of diving basically. <laughs> so, um, they are going down, and so Don is basically going to be kind of like second in command. He's going to be the one that's like looking after Dave and the second one to get uh, Neon's body. So, Dave, wait, Dave, Don, Dave. and Dion. Yes, well, I know triple D. Dion is the one who lost his life. Yeah. Dave Shaw the is the leader. And then Don Shirley, also DS. Don Shirley is his friend and second in command. Okay. So 6 a.m., the they're, everything starts. Dave Shaw goes down there, and he actually arrives like a minute ahead of schedule. He got down there even faster because everything is timed to the very last second. And Dave also wanted to make a documentary about this, so all of this is on camera. He recorded everything. Dave ascends Your down. Nails. <laughs> Was my nails clicking? I like the sound of clicking nails. I, I do too. Some people find it really annoying. I like it. My coworkers probably despise me, but they would never <laughs> say it to my face. You know they wouldn't, girl. <laughs> they would never. They would never. <laughs> That's literally what they hear all day when we were in the office. They're like, oh. I like it. Space. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, okay, so Dave Shaw gets down there. Um, Don Shirley is behind him. Dave is a minute early, so it seems like they're off to the races and everything is great. But immediately, kind of, when Dave gets down there, it's not going according to plan because Dion was actually now free-floating in the water. Somehow the body had become unlodged from the mud that it was stuck in and so it was floating around and because it was floating around Dion's head actually was not attached anymore the body itself turned into this gelatinous kind of substance that was like foamy almost because it had been in the water for 10 years Yeah, and Dave didn't intend for it to be that way he intended to because he had a bag that the plan was to put the Dion's body in a bag and then Dave would swim the bag back up and it would be tied to a line and then they would just, you know, kind of hoist it. And so now that Dion's body is breaking apart in front of Dave's eyes, he is really struggling to put the bag over Dion. He can't do it, and Dion's air tanks are still around him, so his body is kind of, like, flowing around everywhere, and then there are these massive, heavy air tanks. Dave is struggling to put Dion's remains into the bags, and now he's kicking up silt, which is, you know, sand underwater, that when you kick it up, it turns into almost a, as if you turned your headlights on in fog. You cannot see. 
Um, so he has his light, but silt is everywhere. He's struggling to get Dion's mass into this bag. Uh, and he's on a time limit. So now he's running late and he's quickly losing control of the situation. Immediately, narcosis started to kick in as soon as he got down there because he's so far down. Um, and narcosis is a disorientation that is like drinking. People always describe it as drinking five or six cocktails on an empty uh, stomach. You basically are just really disoriented and drunk almost. And Dave is breathing, breathing heavier. He's becoming exhausted trying to just put Dion in this bag. The worst part is that, um, now as Dave is struggling, you see he's like, you know, starting to drop his light a little bit like that. And now when he looks back down, he's actually tangling up in the line that the bag was tied to. Oh my gosh. I have such bad anxiety. Yes. He's getting tangled up. He's getting really flustered. Um, he, at this point, just you see him, he's moving slow. He takes his scissors out because he's just going to cut the line at this point and untangle himself and leave, I assume. He takes his scissors out and his foot actually slips down. So he like slips down the side of the cave wall a little bit and swims back up to the bag and where Dion is. And at this point, he's breathing so slow, moving incredibly slow. Dave turns away from Dion you kind of know he realizes that he just needs to focus on himself at this point. Dave is slowly looking around, trying to see where the line is. He still has his scissors, but he's not cutting anything. He's kind of just like holding them with some intention of like doing something with them, which is horrible. He fumbles around a bit. Uh, he gets caught in the line again. Dave is breathing really hard. He's disoriented at this point. He's basically just moving in slow motion on the line that he is. And sadly, Dave just moves slowly on the line until he passes out. Are they like, is his camera connected to the top? Like, are they seeing this live? The people at the top? Oh my God. No. So at about 13 minutes with Dave at the deepest depth, Don Shirley, so Don Shirley is the relay diver who was supposed to be meet Dave first with Dion's body. 13 minutes have gone by and he knew that this was supposed to be around I believe 11 or 12 and he's very experienced so he knows that something is wrong. Don swims further down and he could see Um, he actually at this point could see Dave's flashlight, but he saw that it was motionless and Don knew that something had gone horribly wrong because there'd be no reason for the flashlight to not be moving. Because at this point, Dave was supposed to be with him. So if it wasn't moving, something is horribly wrong. Don was also very close friends with Dave and even though he knew that it was like not in mission protocol to go down and check at that depth and that wasn't part of the mission, he did it anyway because this was Dave and this was a hero trying to do this heroic thing. Yeah. Don knew he had to swim down and he tries to swim down to the depth that uh, Dave is at with Dion's body. When he does, he hears a kind of a sound of air and he sees that his gauge has broken 
a pressure gauge that was critical to the dive and critical to his survival. Oh my god. So Dawn is now in trouble and he knows that this pressure gauge is broken so he has to make the horrible decision to abandon the plan to um, go down and get Dave and he Dawn just tries to make it back up to the next stop. He does make it up to the next stop and he is able to find the other diver and he writes on his dive slate with a um, grease pen that they use, Dave is not coming back. Oh, oh my God. So that diver, um, you know, they play their game of telephone and the message makes it up to the top and it just is silent and horrible at the top. Um, but Dawn is now still struggling because Dawn now still has to make his ascent and this was going to be very long hours. And now that his pressure gauge is broken, he's doing things manually. This was a lot in the article I read that I'll link. It was a lot of like pressure work and things like that. Um, it was a lot, but basically Dawn now, because his pressure gauge broke, he has to do things more manually. So now he has to pay a lot of attention to the oxygen and everything that he's breathing. And at one point when he's coming to the surface, a bubble of helium formed in his ear and caused severe vertigo. Oh my lord. Dawn became so disoriented that they, um, the article said his vision would be like being inside a washing machine. Just circles. You can't even see. The vertigo was so bad. Oh my god. Then, after the vertigo passed, Dawn had horrible nausea that caused him to vomit underwater constantly. So he has to take out his, like, breathing apparatus, vomit, put it back in, and do that constantly. When the other diver reached him, he wrote on his, uh, like, slate, basically, I'm not okay, I'm vomiting severely, like, I don't know if I'm okay. It took Dawn 10 hours to reach up to 20 feet, and that took two and a half more hours to just get from 20 feet up to the surface. Dawn thankfully survived, but he was in the water for 12 and a half hours, and um, because of the extreme vertigo that he experienced, he still to this day has balance issues and uh, permanently has issues because of that. Oh my god. This this story is really messed up. It is. Like, I'm really, really happy that Dawn at least didn't die, so it wasn't all three of them, but it's really sad that they were trying to do such a good thing and like Dave felt that personal connection and Dawn is just like a good friend and Dion's parents are there and now they know that Dave like they're there literally when the message comes up that Dave is not coming back I could not imagine the level of guilt you would feel you would feel horrible. The article said that they basically just went back to their house and cried and the, like just were so upset and felt so guilty now and it was just horrible. I'm gonna cry. But we will end on a happier note. Okay. The dive team um, they were so devastated by this loss. They weren't able obviously to save Dawn but losing Dave was horrible and they didn't even get Dion's body so they're just devastated. They leave Bushman's Hole and they decide to come back a few days later to get their gear because they just left the gear at the scene that day. They didn't even care to pick oh, it up. Oh, I wouldn't either. Who cares? 
A few days later, the dive team comes back to gather their gear, and they take a moment. They sing Amazing Grace in memory of Dion and Dave. Oh, my God. And they finally start to pull the dive lines out of the cave. As they're pulling the lines up, they start to hear bubbling under the water, and they're shocked because when they look up, they actually see Dave Shaw's body, and Dion was still connected to Dave. So the buoyancy of Dave of him passing away caused him to float back up to the top and he actually did manage to like hook himself around Dion and so Dion's body was attached and so Dave and Dion actually were able to get to the top so there's kind of a somber celebration um I'll say the sad part and we'll end on the more happier part the sad part is that we know all of this about Dave's final moments because all of it was recorded Um, It was on that GoPro that Dave was wearing when he went down. So the entire dive was recorded, including seeing Dion's body, seeing, um, you know, him fumbling with the scissors. Did you watch it? Yes. Okay. It's hard to see, but like when you watch online because it's underwater, it's hard to see kind of Dion's remains as well. It's not just like, you know, you see um, a skull floating in the water or anything like that. But it is really sad to see Dave... Especially for some reason when he has the scissors because you know the intent is there and he just can't do it because he's so disoriented. And um, what Dawn, because I think the video I watched, because there's documentaries and things like this on YouTube. um, One of the things that I watched was a video and I think it was Dawn was actually like kind of narrating the video and saying what was going on and explaining it. And it's sad because... They do say that Dave was just so committed to this, to getting Dion's body. That he wasn't going to turn around. Exactly. That when his commitment should have been on himself, it was more on Dion. And they just, like, knew that, um, you know, it's sad. But at the same time, that's the kind of man that Dave was. And he made a promise and he kept it. And he did get the parents Dion's body. So um, let's end on the more, I guess, the one happy note is that Dion's Dion Dreyer's parents um, did go to the morgue to see Dion's body. They wanted to see it. And they actually said they felt a great sense of comfort because the body was mostly intact. There was no head, but they were overjoyed because, like, they could still see, you know, some muscle in the legs, like remnants of their son. Just remember it was their son. Just know he's not in the water anymore. And the one thing is that Dion had a pair of underwear on that they had actually bought for him and that they remembered him wearing and they remembered him owning. So that was like their one little piece of Dion that they got to have back after all those years. Um, So that is kind of like the one light in my tunnel It's really sad because, like, Dave Shaw's family said that they kind of would have rather him just be left in the cave because that's the kind of man he was. They were kind of, like, sad when his body resurfaced. Hmm. But at the same time, he was a hero. But at the same time, it's, like, so oddly almost fate that, like, it would resurface because that was what he went down there to do. And, like, he literally still did it. After they sing Amazing Grace over at the site. It was, it's crazy. My heart just broke into 5,000 pieces on the ocean floor. Yeah. So, like I said, they do have this on video. It's very, it's sad to watch, but, um, it's, like, it's just, 
if you watch it, I would say just watch it remembering that Dave Shaw really did such a hero in just going out doing, finishing a promise that you made just to benefit someone else. Like, it really was astounding, so. That's amazing. Like, literally putting your life completely on the line. Mm -hmm. And as far as I know, there have been no more um, deaths or accidents at Bushman's Hole, as far as I could see. It was just that uh, event made Bushman's Hole infamous because of that. So, that is crazy like wait 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 how did Dion even what like do they know how he got messed up they don't they said that it's just one of those things where you're not familiar you're not used to diving that far down so we could have just gotten disoriented they said that with with Dion, yeah, exactly. Like, when you have the carbon dioxide buildup, it can just happen fast that you just get disoriented and pass out. It's not, you know, like, you're tired. It's just, like, okay. you pass out and you don't, you know, you don't... It's not like he drowns and struggles and dies. He passes yeah. out and then... As, Falls to the bottom. Exactly. And then he that was how he drowned. So, it was a mystery, but the group... It wasn't that mysterious because, like I said, the year before Dion had disappeared, a diver had died that same exact way with a group. I like, mean, it's you not... just get disoriented down there and you pass out and your mouthpiece yeah. comes out. It's not like even if they knew, it would. It's like it's not like there is any way of foul play. It's not like knowing exactly how it happened would make anything better. So yeah, and I think Nuno Gomez, the one who had been in Bushman's Hole a lot, he I believe is I believe I read that he spoke out and said like you don't know this level of disorientation until it's happened. Like you can't think. There's no thoughts. You're yeah. just disoriented and. He basically said that the only other thing that could have prevented this from happening would have just been maybe if they would have taken more time because, like, Nuno Gomez kind of proved that you need to build up your tolerance, basically. Yeah. Like, um, he compared it to what when people climb mountains, you have to build up your tolerance. To yeah. It. So he just thinks in these cases that maybe these divers need to build up more of a tolerance to feeling narcosis and having your body like deal with carbon dioxide buildup and like he kind of said that's what's kept him safe is taking it slow and doing things like that so yeah that makes sense yeah but that's so sad it's like I wish someone would have went down there all the way with Dave because I bet if it was like a two-person job but then it's also like it's a lot 10 hours is a lot it's such a tragic accident because like the first time he went down the body wasn't like that yeah it's sad because if for some reason if he would have had that bag with him the first time he could have just put the body but i feel like probably from when he moved it something happened from it not being disturbed for so long i agree yeah i agree that's really sad it is sad it's crazy that both our stories were all caught on camera i know for all my little freaks out there that want to see it online you want to see the real thing i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna watch it i'm done recording just remember to be respectful to the victims and um everything like that and like i said we'll just remember dave shaw as the hero that he is and And dion as a freaking great person too it's just an adventurous kid just you know wanting to live life and i love his spirit yeah we love both of their spirits and Really, really rest in peace to two what seems like incredible men. Mm-hmm. And love to their families. 
Sending love. Literally. All the T's and P's, all the thoughts and prayers that we can send. Let us know if you guys want more ocean type stuff, especially now because it's summer in the United States and it's getting warmer. Yeah, let us know if you guys like the outdoorsy deaths too. Yes. Because I like them. I do too. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. Now bye. Thanks. <laughs> okay. But really though. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys. <laughs> bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.